Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. We have a free agency primer for you all today on this Monday. Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Pasco join myself to preview free agency, what the legal tampering period starting today means, and what Browns fans can expect from GM Andrew Barry and his second offseason. All that is underway, so let's get started on the Monday. Here we go. All right, we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko to preview 2021 NFL free agency. We've got a busy week for you guys this upcoming week. It's going to be just roundtables every day, breaking down the happenings of free agency, where the pieces may fall. It's going to be a wild week with the, the cap decreasing and veteran players already being released. There's going to be you just there's content you can't miss if you want to stay up to date on both the league and the happenings with the Cleveland Browns, of course, during this time. By the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be somewhere between the start of the legal tampering period and actual free agency. I'll have Mary Kay break that down and organize it very soon. On Cleveland.com, we're rolling out a series of how the Browns can win free agency. Doug Maurice and Scott both already have their stories up. Mary Kay and I will have ours over the weekend. By the time you hear this, hopefully you've consumed all four. Either way, later in the pod, we're going to throw out a few names and some positions of importance that we think the Browns must address. But first, Mary Kay, as I said, the tampering period starts Monday. Could you explain what that means and what fans can expect from the Browns over the next 48 hours? Okay, well, first of all, uh, as you mentioned, we are taping this on Friday afternoon. So by the time we uh, get this to Monday, there might be some things that have already happened with the Cleveland Browns in free agency. So just so you know, uh, that little caveat there. Uh, But what is supposed to happen or what is allowed to happen beginning on Monday around noon on Monday, teams will be able to negotiate with the free agents for other teams. So therefore, the Browns can decide, let's say for instance, they want to pursue Carl Lawson or Bud Dupree or Trey Hendrickson. They can get on the phone with those agents and start negotiating the parameters of a deal with those guys. Then what happens with those players a lot of times is they'll take their interest and their sort of offers back to their own teams in a lot of cases. And then their team can decide if they want to match or exceed that offer or if they're letting the player walk. So let's just use Richard Higgins for an example. 
So it gets to be noon on Monday. And all of a sudden, Richard's uh, agent's phone is ringing off the hook. And two teams are, one team is willing to pay him $5 million a year. And another team is willing to pay him $6 million a year. Some people think that that might be a bit of a high estimate, but we all know that, that players get overpaid in, uh, in free agency a lot of times. So his market value, according to spotrec.com, is about $6 million a year. If teams are willing to go that high at that point, then they go back to the Browns. And they say, he's got an offer, three-year offer, $6 million a year. At that point, I firmly 100% believe the Browns would say, he's got to go take that offer. We cannot pay him that kind of money when we already have more than $30 million tied up in two receivers, which represents the cap number for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry is over $30 million, which represents more than 16% of the cap. That's a lot of money to have tied up uh, in your two receivers. So they're not going to go that high for Richard. The fact that they probably will keep Odell Beckham Jr. And we know they're going to keep Jarvis Landry means that then they probably can't go out and spend a lot of money on another receiver. One that I had on the radar was Brashard Pyramid. If they don't sign Rashard Higgins, then I think they will turn their attention to a player like a Brashad Perryman. Uh, but they won't be able to do both, I don't think, unless Rashard doesn't get what he wants on the open market and you can get him at a bargain price and you can get Brashard at a bargain. I mean, crazy things do happen during free agency, so no one really knows how this is going to go yet, especially in a year when everyone is fairly cap challenged and we all know why that's happening, but that that's basically how it works from Monday to Wednesday when free agency actually opens at four o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, you can do this negotiating period. Some people call it the legal tampering period. Teams call it the negotiating period because it sounds a lot nicer than the legal tampering period. Um, but then uh, those deals can be consummated, as can all the trades that we've already heard about. Everything can get rolling for sure when the league year opens at 4 o'clock on St. Patrick's Day, and the green beer will be flowing. Ain't that the truth where it lands? And hopefully, for Richard Higgins' sake, there's things to be celebrating, perhaps some green beer, as the Browns and him, as you said, talk in that 48-hour window. Um, Scott, Mary Kay laid, laid out how the Browns are going to take that 48 hours and talk to in-house talent like Rashard Higgins. Um, in your free agency piece on how the Browns can win free agency, you mentioned Terrence Mitchell as a guy uh, that the, you think the Browns should target it and take priority to retain. He's also a name that I'm sure the Browns are likely to conversate with in that 48-hour period before free agency begins Wednesday. Let's start with Terrence Mitchell. Mary Carrady laid out the Richard Higgins situation. Terrence Mitchell, why did you include him in your free agent piece of the four players you named uh, compared to the other talent that the Browns have to retain in-house? I think there's a lot of decisions to be made on the back end of the Browns' defense. And when I look at cornerback, and I, you know, we all remember the last two seasons here and, and the fact that Denzel – Ward and Greedy Williams have not been on the field for every game. In fact, neither of those two guys has made it past 12 games as a pro. And having somebody like Terrence Mitchell, we've seen how important that can be. And he didn't come out and play like, you know, a pro bowler, but he did come out and play solid enough to get them through a season when they were having just, 
they had a ton of injuries in the secondary last year. And having somebody who's experienced, who can move into a, a spot if you need somebody to cover the other team's top receiver, you're not, you know, we saw Tavier Thomas had a lot of issues in the slot. And, you know, when you get further down the depth chart, you have big problems. Terrence Mitchell wasn't that kind of player. He was somebody who could step in and get the job done. And I think he had like 40% of his career snaps just last season alone. So this was something new for him. And he proved he can make it through the whole season. So when you look at, you have him, you have Kevin Johnson, you have both safeties from last season, Sandejo and Joseph, all these guys are, are going into free agency. You don't want to lose everybody. And I think Mitchell should be at the top of the list of guys you want to come back just because of his reliability uh, and his experience. And he's not going to cost a ton of money. I think I, I had the projection as, uh, as two years, $9 million. Um, You know, it would seem to me that he probably understands this is a good place for him to be uh, from the fact that he has gotten a lot of opportunities here and, and, and Denzel Ward and Gertie Williams haven't been on the field a ton. So it just made a lot of sense to me, more so than I know Doug, when he did his, he had B.J. Goodson is, uh, is the one guy he wanted to resign. I guess I'm just hoping for more turnover there at the linebacker position than, than maybe we, we might see at the cornerback. So I went with Mitchell. Yeah, there's a good chance Terrence Mitchell slides into my free agent post about how the Browns can win. Mary Kay, a week ago at this time, we talked about uh, your interview with Greedy Williams and just the state of the Browns defensive back room. A lot of questions, but could the answer be right in front of the Browns in, in Terrence Mitchell where, look, Greedy is penciled into that number two spot, but does Terrence Mitchell sub- bring enough security where you would be like, you know what? He's been here. Let's bring him in. Where do you land on Terrence Mitchell? I would re-sign Terrence Mitchell. I would definitely re-sign Terrence Mitchell uh, for so many of the reasons that Scott just pointed out. You are going to need at least one good, you know, third cornerback that can really start games for you on the outside. You are not going to get a full season out of Denzel Ward, probably. You might not get a full season out of Greedy Williams. You need somebody that can start games for you on the outside. They know he can do it. The price is right. You can get him at a bargain basement price. Now, I don't know that I would stop there, though. I think I would continue to look around a little bit. So I would look at some of the other cornerbacks in free agency, and I would probably try to find another one that can either have the versatility to start on the outside, maybe somebody that can play nickelback, um, but I would definitely do that. And while we're on, on the topic of their own cornerbacks who are becoming free agents, I would, also, I would also try to wrap up Kevin Johnson. I think he's another guy that you can get sort of at a bargain basement price. And I think these guys know that this is a good place for them. They know the system. They know they're liked. They know they're valued. And, uh, you know, they know they're going to get some playing time. So I would probably try to bring both of those guys back but continue to push the envelope in terms of good cornerbacks. Yeah, the Browns have a lot to figure out at really corner number two through four, one of those being the slot guy, of course. And this could all take care of itself by retaining your in-house talent and you're looking at a, a similar roster to last year. Because not that really any of those these players we mentioned played poorly. It just was a lot of in and out of the lineup, circumstances that were out of their control, and perhaps giving them a full year with the same staff, uh, you see them build upon some stuff from a year ago. Uh, I'm curious, Scott, you and Doug both had Mike Hilton, a slot corner from the Steelers in your posts. 
Mary Kay brings up Kevin Johnson, uh, the slot corner for the Browns. I'm curious, where do you land on whether bringing in outside talent or retaining your own veterans? The Browns have decisions to make there. Where do you tend to land uh, in free agency with that when we're talking lower tier, middle class type of player? Yeah, I, I just, just watching the, the issues with nickel corner last year, it, it just seemed like a position that the Browns would want to upgrade. I mean, they signed Johnson to a one-year deal and I think they were hoping to get the best version of him or at least what he was in Buffalo the year before. They didn't exactly get that. And now we don't know exactly how healthy he was during the season. He had the, was it the spleen or the, or the liver issue yeah. during uh, training camp? Um, you know, who knows? He was been a kidney. Yeah. Was it a kidney? At this, yeah, I'm not good yeah. with inside. Lacerated kidney. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, that could have played into it, but I think there's a lot of value in having as much talent as you can have at corner, and that includes slot corner. Um, the Browns faced 11 personnel with three receivers on the field 70% of the time last season, and that was like 10% over the league average. So having good talent. Uh, and that slot position is important. Now, Grant Delpit might alleviate some of that if he comes in and he's everything that, that the Browns hoped he could be, um, you know, because he's somebody who they're going to want in coverage. He's gonna, they're going to want him near the line of scrimmage um, over people. So that, that could help with this. Maybe him versus or him along with Kevin Johnson is a, is a remedy there. But I, I like the idea of going out and getting Hill. And you take him away from the Steelers, too which is uh, something I'm sure the Browns wouldn't be upset about. Uh, but if you have a chance to go out and get somebody who's one of the best in the league at doing what they do, uh, I say you do it. Mary Kay, I, I, I have a strange feeling our free agent post could end up looking a little similar with talking about bringing back Terrence Mitchell. And we both seem to think Kevin Johnson deserves another shot. Where do you land on this? Scott makes a lot of good points about, you know, taking a guy from a rival opponent, uh, a talent like Mike Hilton, you can never have enough DBs as he laid out. Uh, is it Terrence Mitchell, Kevin Johnson, and some outside talent? Or if you had to pick, where would you land? Well, I do think that it will be possibly Terrence Mitchell, possibly Kevin Johnson, and maybe some outside talent. Okay. I need to back up on something real quick. It was a lacerated liver for Kevin Johnson. I kept going back and forth on that. But anyway, so it was the lacerated liver. And fortunately for him, he was able to come back pretty quickly from that. Yeah, between um, him and Austin Hooper, two really strange injuries. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... You know, I, I would be in favor of a Mike Hilton. Again, I do like the idea of strengthening yourself and also weakening an AFC North rival, which they have also three opportunities to do that. And we'll get to this in a little bit with some of the pass rushers uh, that are on their radar. So I do like the idea of doing that. And uh, Joe Hayden has been lobbying for Mike Hilton to stay in Pittsburgh and, you know, those guys are, they, they have a really good personnel department over there. And if they can find a way to keep him, I think they will keep him. And a lot, by the time, again, by the time you're hearing this, some of those things may have already happened. Another situation that could happen is if, if the Browns or someone made an offer to him, then the Steelers can swoop in and say, okay, we'll give you that much or a little bit more or whatever. Or maybe even sometimes guys take a little bit less, like Rashard Higgins did. During that negotiating period last year, he took a little bit less to stay with the Browns, and that also sometimes happens. So I think he's going to be hard to get away from the Steelers, but certainly a good nickel corner, always hard to find. And if you can find a really good one 
at a, at a, especially at a good price, I'm all for that. Mary Kay, you tease the edge rusher situation with this team. We're going to take a quick break and coming back on the other side, I'm going to have one big question for you both involving what the Browns should do at defensive end in the 2021 free agency. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Ellis Williams, joined by Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. We're talking 2021 NFL free agency. And I buried the lead a little bit here because I want to talk about the defensive ends in this class, specifically someone Mary Kay just teased, uh, uh, two really defensive ends uh, in this division who are in rival teams with the, both the Steelers and the Bengals have big name guys hitting free agency. It, though the Browns miss out on JJ Watt, there still is, you know, a half a dozen names out there, maybe more that it, as a football analyst, you look, you feel comfortable with, you could see them and imagine them plugging them in and the four, three, a traditional defensive end uh, bookending miles Garrett. So the question is simple. I'm going to throw it out there. Do the Browns lose in free agency if they don't land a big name defensive end. Mary Kay, we'll start with you. I'm going to say yes. I am going to say yes because I really think they need to get one of these guys. It is the perfect year to be able to do it. I've never seen the market flooded with this many edge rushers in one year. And you have some at different price points. You've got different ages. You've got different skill sets. Uh, it's kind of like a little smorgasbord of edge rushers. But you usually don't see these kind of guys available on the market. So I do think that they need to land one of them. And not only are there two in the division that you could pry away from a rival, but there are actually three. You've got Bud Dupree from the Steelers, very intriguing. You've got Carl Lawson from the Bengals, equally intriguing. And then you've got Yannick Nagakwe uh, from the Ravens, who they tried to trade for last year when he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wanted to play here. They wanted him, but it kind of got messed up when he was switching agents in the middle of it, and it just kind of was dragging on and got a little nutty. And so everybody just kind of put that on the back burner and he ended up initially getting traded to the Vikings and then he got traded to the Ravens. He ended up with eight sacks and he really didn't have the impact in Baltimore that I thought he would. I think he can have even more of an impact here. He's still young. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea of kind of getting those guys in that 25 year old, 26 year old range. So he's still a young guy. Uh, I think he has double-digit sack potential, and if you paired him or put him opposite a Miles Garrett, I could see that happening. But I could see that happening for a number of these guys, Carl Lawson, Bud Dupree. You also have Hassan Reddick from the Arizona Cardinals, who became expendable when J.J. Watt signed there. Uh, so these are just some of the names that are going to be available potentially, and I think the Browns have to grab one because I certainly don't see them taking one at number 26 overall. I don't think the, you're going to get a great, be able to get a great pass rusher there. Yeah, a lot of curious stuff going on in the AFC North at edge rusher. Mary Kay laid out those three. I understand the Bud Dupree thing. I was surprised to see the Bengals uh, not tag either Carl Lawson or William Jackson, their cornerback. Uh, and then the Ravens, both Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon are 
are headed towards free agency. Both their edge rushers there. I think Yannick has a better fit in Cleveland like you laid out. Scott, with all the, the wasteland that could be the AFC North with these defensive players, are the Browns both missing an opportunity if they don't steal one of these key guys and both take from an opponent and add it to the team? Is that a missed opportunity? Um, I mean, look, even if they don't sign somebody like a Carl Lawson or, or you know, or Bud Dupree, they could still end up signing with somebody else other than the team they're with. So I think it's more important that they just get somebody because I think you're both right. The the amount of talent on the market is rare. And I think not coming away with an edge rusher would be like coming away from the draft last year without an offensive lineman uh, for the Browns. I think, and I I put Carl Carl Lawson as the kind of the, the big, the big splash free agent, the Browns should sign in my, in my post this week and, or last week and, it really comes down to not so much him, but just getting somebody at edge rusher. And I'm kind of taking my cue from the Browns because they're not making moves to bring back Olivier Vernon. Obviously they've released Adrian Claiborne. What else you got? He got Porter Gustin who you tendered and he's certainly not the answer opposite miles Garrett, Joe Jackson, who, I mean, he played a handful of snaps. Uh, he's not the guy. So clearly they, they need to make uh make an impact acquisition here at, at edge rusher. And I think you, you do that in free agency. You don't go to the draft with such a big hole on your defense. And Joe Wood's defense needs a, a big player opposite Miles Garrett because this team did not get the kind of pressure that they wanted to last year. His defense is rush for, you know, defend with the back seven. And that's pretty much the formula the 49ers used when he was the pass game coordinator there. And it worked great because the Niners had some scary people up front uh, and they didn't blitz. They were, they were near the bottom of the league in, in the amount of blitzes they had in 2019. And that's what the Browns were last season. But the big difference of course, is they just didn't get the pressure the Niners got. So fixing things up front is I think priority number one. Um, and, you know, Carl Lawson, I think would be a good way to do that. Yeah. It, it's a gaping hole in, I, I'm glad you brought that up. But Mary Kay, it seems like, and to Scott's point, that the Browns are in a position to do exactly what they did last year during free agency on the offensive side of the ball, but only for Joe Woods in the defense this year. Does it, does it have that feeling to you? Like, would, should Browns fans expect might be strong, but would you be surprised if Andrew Barry doesn't give Joe Woods some of the toys that he awarded Kevin Stefanski like Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper a year ago for his defense now? Uh, yeah, I fully expect him uh, to supply him with a, with a good edge rusher. And I just, again, I don't know what your other alternative would be unless you tried to trade for one. And I, I just don't see that happening. I think this is the moment they're going to have to strike. They just have to figure out which one it is going to be. And, you know, there could be, uh, you know, kind of a, a bidding war for some of these guys. And it's go- I think it's going to happen fast. I think the yeah. dominoes will fall fairly quickly on all these edge rushers. It'll be one of the first things that starts to happen on Monday and Tuesday is we will really start to see uh, what these guys are going to be getting and who they're going to be signing with. And one by one, they are going to just go flying off the market because it is so hard to find guys that can get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. Now, one of the things that I like about Hassan Reddick that in addition to his 12 and a half sacks and five of those came against the giants in one game, but he also led the league with six forced fumbles. 
And I like that kind of game-changing production from, from a player. You know, that's so vitally important. Sometimes I think almost a little overlooked. If you can get the ball away from the other team, that's important. And, uh, and he's really good at that. So, uh, you know, he's another one that's intriguing. Trey Hendrickson is intriguing. Uh, in his first year as a starter with the Saints last year, he had 12 and a half sacks. That was more than Miles Garrett. It's a lot of sacks, right? So, and again, Miles only played uh, 14 games, but, um, but I, you know, I, I, I like him. I like, again, I like Reddick. You mentioned Judon too. He, he's another very intriguing guy. Uh, and then um, Jadavian Clowney is somebody that's still going to be floating around out there. We know they liked him last year. They liked him a lot. And if, if they can get him at a very bargain basement price, I think he's somebody that, that is definitely going to be on the radar. A good thing to remember is that the Browns are in a good spot here with what kind of edge rusher they can get because of how adjustable Miles Garrett is. He's been on like a 60-40 uh, right versus left side as far as snaps go the last couple of years. He actually had more pass rushes from the left against the right tackle before he went on the COVID list last year. So he's able to do his damage from either side. You remember when they got Olivier Vernon, there was all the talk about, all right, well, they both mostly spent the first, you know, the last few years of their career rushing against left tackles. Who's going to move over? And Vernon talked about how big of a challenge that would be for him. And I think now whoever you bring in, it's going to be an easier situation because Miles can easily go over on the left uh, a little more if he has to. Yeah, Scott, it's a great point. Aside from Carl Lawson, were there any other names you were considering? Like if you couldn't have picked Lawson there, was there a number two guy? Anyone else you think would be a, a good fit next to Garrett like that? Well, I put Shaq Barrett as like the, uh, the top of the list, but right. apparently he's, uh, they're, they're talking about, uh, talking about. Yeah, Tom Brady seems pretty, out. yeah, Tom Brady seems pretty determined to bring the band back together, right? Making, yeah, reducing his base salary to one million this year. Oh, I, I will make absolutely nothing as long as uh, we get to keep everybody together and I get another run at a, at a Super Bowl. The, the guy in Detroit, um, is there Aquara? Yeah, Romeo Aquara. I know he's been he's been thrown about as somebody who who might be uh, a good fit. I mean, again, it's it could be any of a number of people. I think there's enough talent out there that as long as the Browns get somebody who you know, obviously they can, they can get it a, not break the bank totally, but this is going to be their biggest signing, I would suspect, out of everybody they signed this offseason. So it, there's enough there to, to make this work. Yeah, the Browns are in a great spot. Like you said, they've got the versatility with Miles Garrett. They've got some flexibility in their cap. I think that they're in a spot where they're not going to be bidding against a, a, a whole lot of teams. And what I mean by that is, of course, these edge rushers are going to come off the board hot, like Mary Kay said. But you might be in a spot where you – you know, your 1A option and your 1B option aren't that different compared to last year's tight end market that really didn't exist aside from Austin Hooper. They had to pay him that money. And I was looking at that Hooper contract. I mean, for him to get 13.5 million in 2022 and 2023, I believe, um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's something they had to do. I'm just curious if this that is something they could avoid Um this year because of having more options available. And then that's the name of the game. That's free agency. We don't know how this stuff's going to fall, um, but it, it's going to be fun to see it. Putting the edge rushers to bed, I, I don't think we're going to be talking much offense uh, on this podcast. It seems like a de defensive theme free agency as it should be. 
another theme uh, in these how the Browns can win free agency posts, I noticed uh, Doug's big signing was Anthony Harris of the Minnesota Vikings uh, franchise tagged a year ago. He's been tied to the Browns for you know almost a year now. I mean, dating back to really a year ago at this time before his tag as a guy who could fit, of course, his history with Kevin Stefanski being in Minnesota. And it's definitely a need of the Browns. It seems like us three are landing on edge rusher. But what I want to ask you guys is this, uh, Scott, you mentioned Malik Hooker in your post and that brings me to a theme of how important is adding another safety to this group? Like if we're pretty confident Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison are the guys there, we know that Joe Woods wants to play a four, two, five. That doesn't necessarily mean a third safety on the field. It could just be, you know, prioritizing that slot corner spot. I'll, I'll ask this is a veteran safety presence in that locker room on that, the field next year for the Browns, a must Mary Kay, where do you land on that? I mean, Anderson Deho, Carl Joseph, those guys were there for that reason. And then of course had increased roles after some injuries fell their way. Is that veteran presence something they need to duplicate in 2021 or where do you land on that? Well, you know, I, I think the Browns feel pretty good about their two starting safeties in Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison heading into next season. So I think they feel pretty good about that, but I think they know they need to add to the pile a little bit. Does that mean that they're going to go out and get an Anthony Harris? I think they feel pretty set with those two starters, and I think they're looking at Grant Delpit's recovery, and he looks pretty darn good in the things that we can see on social media when he's there in the weight room and lifting and doing all the things that he's doing. So I think they're pretty excited about that. Therefore, I don't know that they would allocate that many resources to another starting safety. What I think they probably would do perhaps is re-sign one of their own free agents, maybe like in a Carl Joseph or find somebody along those lines that you can pick up for a nice little bargain basement price price again. Uh, So I I think they would tend more towards that. Uh, I think if anything, one of the, the things that I had been looking at Uh, before the last couple of days happened, uh, were linebackers. And I know that Levante David was on their radar, and I had been writing that. Uh, And I know that Matt Milano was on their radar, and I've written about that. Well, both of those guys came off the market last week. Uh, Levante David re-signed with the Bucks. Matt Milano re-signed with the Bills. There's not a a lot of other linebackers in free agency, but there are some. Uh, Gerard Davis from uh, from the Lions, is one, and there are others. So I think that's a position to look at for sure. And maybe even more so than safety, uh, as we talked about before, maybe they would look for cornerbacks. Yeah, Scott, clearly uh, veteran safety important to you that the Browns had that? Um, you know, I, I wrote that re-signing Carl Joseph could make sense. And maybe that's a reason why I had Millie Cooker, like you said, is the is one of the guys that they bring in. He's only been in the league a year longer than Harrison. So it's not really, you know, much more of a veteran right. presence there, but it was more for having uh, more versatility with three safeties. I think, um, I mean, I, I don't know if that's that big of an issue. I think you just want guys who can play because you're, you're right. It is a young room because even beside, aside from Harrison and Delta, you got Sheldrick Redwine who, was going into his third year now who really hasn't gotten much playing time at all. Even when they were going through all the injuries last year, they kind of veered away from putting him on the field very much. So he doesn't seem like he's an, he's an answer, at least for the immediate future at that spot. So 
I mean, I like the idea of just taking a flyer on somebody at safety, and maybe that's something you're going to spend big on the following year if Harrison isn't what you thought he was this past season, if, if, if Delpit isn't, isn't a guy who can kind of be in charge back there. Uh, maybe that's something you do when the salary cap goes up a little more uh, the following year. I think there's going to be – I think the Browns are maybe a little bit ahead of the, the trends with all those one-year contracts last year. You're probably going to see some of those this year as teams try to get – through this cap crunch this year. And then, you know, guys will want to get paid the year after. So that's why I just went with, with hooker on a, on a short one year deal. And, you know, he's got experience. He's played better obviously than Sandejo did last year. And I think if you have some hooker, Delpit, Harrison, and even yeah, Joseph to that, that's, that's a force you can work with. Yep. I agree. I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, they're going to add somebody They're They're, they're one guy short there. And whether it's the draft or free agency that they, they got to get some more DBs back there. Um, all right, before we get out of here, I'm going to do what every journalist loves doing and ask you guys to make a bold prediction. I know Scott, you love doing that during the season. And now that we're in a free agency, I thought as host, I may as well flex here and be able to do that. Right. So before we go, one bold prediction that you think the Browns in over these next 40 hours will hear, whether it's a, a big end signing or someone like Terrence Mitchell, just the thing you're feeling most confident about that we'll hear that the Browns are moving forward with, whether it's a, a player or a decision. Mary Kay, you got one for me? Well, as we've talked about, I think the, the bold prediction is that they will sign one big name free agent pass rusher. I can't right now predict exactly who that's going to be, uh, for just for purposes of the dis- this discussion, and by the time this airs, he might be already signed with some, with uh, you know resigned with the Bengals or something. But uh, but I'm going to say Carl Lawson just because uh, you know the five and a half sacks that he had last year, I could actually see him doubling that. He was the number nine uh, pass rush grade from Pro Football Focus. I think he had something like 64 pressures. I just think he has what it takes. He's 25 years old. Uh, I just think that if they can get him, uh, he's somebody that would be a tremendous addition to this defense. So I'm going to make that my bold prediction. My bold prediction will be that the Browns will trade for a linebacker before free agency begins. I like that. Every year there's a trade during this, during those few days, you know, last year they got uh, Janovich uh, from the Broncos and something like that always happens. And we've kind of, talked around linebacker here and I think it's just that one spot where no one's really sure what's going to happen um I think if the Browns are going to make a trade that make a lot of sense to me is is you trade for the guy that that you want in there I don't know who that's going to be uh or what they would give up but that just seems like a move like if it happened if they traded for a linebacker that would sound about right I dig that I'll get in on the fun I have a feeling over the next 48 hours things are going to be quiet between the Browns and Richard Higgins, meaning I think we're going to notice some distance being made between the two. And really the only reason I have for that is really what Mary Kay teased at the top, that if that number flirts with that five, six million, it, it just, that's a lot of money to allocate to the wide receiver room. Richard Higgins has earned every penny. No one can fault him for going to get his bag. And it's also because of something Andrew Barry said, what a week or two ago when we talked to him, he was very similar language as he did a year ago when talking about Joe Schobert, that something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, Richard has the, the right to explore and do what's best for him. 
And that best for him's line and financial security stuff that, that they kind of drop here and there in those pressers, it, it just brought me back to Joe Schobert. And it was pretty clear that Joe was out the door before he even was uh, because the, the money was never going to make sense, that both sides need to do what's best for them. So I thought that may have been Andrew kind of softening uh, the blow uh, if Richard doesn't come back. I think he makes perfect sense here. In an ideal world, he plays uh, with Baker Mayfield for probably his entire career. But money talks, and if both sides can't meet, that's what happens when you have a lot of good players. So it's going to be an interesting 48 hours. Um, we're going to have a loaded, loaded week for you guys here at Cleveland.com on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You're going to get us three, uh, and Doug and Dan will be back. It's going to be a fun week. Before we get out of here, Mary Kay, you've got one last thing to say. What you got? Yeah, you know, the other thing to just sort of keep an eye on is what may or may not happen with David Njoku. Now, David's contract is, it's uh, $6.013 million for next year. That's his fifth year option salary. It becomes guaranteed on March 17th when the league year opens. He has obviously demonstrated and indicated that he would like to go somewhere else where he can get more activity, more catches, and be the number one tight end. The problem is that there's really not necessarily that much of a market for him right now because, you know, when you only have 19 catches in 2020 and your salary is $6 million for next year, not a lot of people clamoring for that, okay? So I doubt anything is going to happen. I really doubt it. But you just never know, uh, you know, when it comes time to – uh, start talking trades and different things like that if something will come out of the woodwork. Uh, so, and, and he's got a really good agent in Drew Rosenhaus that, uh, that's great at kind of finding deals that might not otherwise be there. So I think that's just at least something to kind of have in the back of our minds as we head into the process. Scott, you mentioned a trade being made. Could David be the guy in that deal you're, you're proposing for a linebacker? Perhaps. He certainly seems like a uh, obvious trade ship going into this offseason. That's for sure. Yeah, it just, you know, there's been a lot of smoke this whole year. And in this league where there's smoke, there tends to be fire. And I, I wanted to surprise everyone in my How the Browns Win Free Agency post. But I'll say it here. I'm going to put Jonu Smith in there, the, the Titans tight end. At, for about the same price point, you can bring him in fresh blood. It seems like David just doesn't want to be here anymore. I, I of course, who knows, but Mary Kay, I do think you're onto something. And rather than finding more tight ends in the draft as they take time to build, uh, you bring in another sure product, probably just a better tight end for the same price anyway. So uh, anything else or should we go out and enjoy our weekend, you guys? Sounds good. Let's enjoy our weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. So again, as I said, all next week, we're going to have a, just roundtables after roundtables. We'll have Dan Lobby back. So listeners, you won't have to hear me fumble and bumble with ums and ahs as we try to host and get through this. You only will have to listen to Doug Maurice host a podcast once for two hours. We won't hit you with two or three of those. So Dan will be back. We're happy to get him back. And it's, we're going to be just rolling through free agency. It's going to be a fun ride. So join us. And of course, Thanks for listening today. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Ellis. Thanks for listening, y'all.